The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. If you do have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We're spending time in verses 28 to 30. Um, if you have not read the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland, I would commend it to you to, to purchase. Um, we did a eight-week series at our church on this book and the truths contained in the passages um, that it mentions and refers to. And it's very good for our soul. Um, and it really centers in uh, these, these words of Jesus when he describes at the very core of who he is, that he is gentle and lowly. Now, gentleness is a good quality. Um, being dealt with gently is a quality that we all love. Um, in, in, um, on Thursday, I was at a wedding, and uh, this wedding is for a friend who uh, I went to high school with, who was a couple of years younger, and uh, there was a teacher there I haven't seen for years, and this teacher reminded me of a story that we had um, on snow trip in 2005, and she reminded me of the time that I was late to get the bus back from the evening snow um, ski fields where we were, were snowboarding that night. See, I had a buddy with me, and you had to stay with your buddy. So we're meant to be told, get on the bus at 9.30. 9.30 p.m., the bus is leaving. You need to be there before that. So we're headed back up on um, uh, those, what do they call it? Elevator, travelator things, whatever they're called, the thing that take you to the top and you snowboard back down. And we knew we were cutting it close. So me and my buddy, we head on down. But halfway through, he sees, he sees a particular lady that he's found quite attractive over the course of this night snowboarding because you can tell heaps with all that snow gear on what's happening. And um, he stops midway and decides to get her number. So I'm down the bottom, of the, the bottom now of the ski fields, knowing we're pressed for time, waiting for my friend, having a decision, do I go and get on the bus or do I wait for my friend? I'm kind of torn between these two principles. Anyway, he comes down. I'm like, where were you? He said, man, I, just, I needed to get her number. And I said, mate, we need to get on the bus. And so we're running with our snow gear, um, you know, snowboard in hand, just running. And towards us comes the teacher. And we see the teacher and we think, brilliant, we've made it. You know, we're going to avoid all the consequences that were going to come our way for missing the bus. And the teacher just walks up and he says, come on, boys. I was like, ah, we're good to go? He said, no, the bus is gone. The bus will be back in an hour and a half. 45-minute journey to drop the rest of the students off, 45 minutes back to pick us up. And this um, teacher just very casually, and, and at that moment, I, I thought, oh, here it comes. We're going to get the lecture, we're going to get the wrath, we're going to get the discipline, it's going to pour out. This teacher just dealt with us so gently. He was calm. He said, guys, there's going to be a consequence. We'll talk through that tomorrow. But for now, we're here. So let's just understand why you were late, and let's just wait for the bus to come back. It was a beautiful experience of being dealt with gently, being dealt with gently. The truth is most of us probably have grown up and that isn't always our experience of, of being dealt with gently. Perhaps you grew up in families where the discipline that came your way, you wouldn't have described as gentle. Perhaps in your workplace, I don't know what it's like in your work spot, but you, many of us may not have the kind of bosses that you think, ah, this is the perfect person to make a mistake around. This is the perfect person just to get things wrong. Maybe in church, maybe you've been dealt with harshly by people in the church community. You felt the pain of sin and then the pain of someone else not knowing how to properly handle your sin and you've been dealt with harshly. See, many of us being dealt with gently isn't our experience and so 
we've grown accustomed to having to be tough, having to harden up, have a spoonful of concrete. Culture of harshness prevails over gentleness, like Johnny Cash's song, A Boy Named Sue. His son, this world is rough, and if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. The story shares why Johnny Cash called his son um, Sue. You're going to hear this in our, lang- um, our violent language around how we talk about um, things in this world. So we use violent words for like having a good day. We're like, man, I crushed it today. Or I hope you just kill that workout. Or man, you just slayed that, you know, that week. I just dominated things. It's just such violent kind of aggressive language that we use. You, you just, no one says to you, man, I just hope, I just hope you gently caress this day with the back of your hand. I'm sorry, man. How was your workout? Man, my workout was like a gentle whisper in my ear. No, no, we don't, that's way too gentle. We don't want that. We want harshness because this is the world we live in, right? You don't get far if you're gentle. You've got to be tough. You've got to be firm. You've got to make yourself known. You've got to harden up. So is it any wonder then in a culture of harshness with the desire to be dealt with gently but an experience that may not be the case, when it comes to understanding God and who he is and maybe how he relates to us, is there a chance that there's a bit of baggage that has crept over that we in fact aren't sure if God will deal with us gently in our sin, in our struggle, and in our weakness? we believe that he is, exists, do we believe that he is good? Well, we may find ourselves reluctant to come to God because if we're really honest sometimes, we're just not sure if this will be our experience, if we'll be met with gentleness or harshness. Well, with hearts like ours, truth is we actually need a heart like his, a heart that he reveals in this passage of Matthew 11 that is gentle and lowly. Out of the 89 chapters of biblical text we have in the Gospels, only, only one place here explicitly tells us, that Jesus explicitly tells us about his own heart. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Today I want to talk about the gentleness of Jesus and how this brings rest for our hearts. So Jesus is speaking in a time where people are worn out and weary. People are exhausted. They're facing um, Roman oppression. They're facing legalistic oppression. The taxes are high, sometimes as high as 80%. So all you big six-figure earners, you complain about the you know, tax you pay. It's awesome because you make enough money to pay tax. 80% of what you earn is getting taken away. There's pressures. There are burdens. There's legalistic weight. People are in need of rest. And people are in need of rescuing. And so Jesus speaks into this weary context and he comes and brings these life-giving words. And he reveals himself as one who is gentle and lowly in heart. The heart, when you hear the word heart, I think the core of who a person is, the core of their being. You know, when you get to know someone, what do you want to get to know first? You really want to get to know their heart. You want to know who they are. What's at the center of it all? Jesus is saying, at the center of my heart is I'm gentle and I'm lowly. This is the kind of saviour that he is. It's quite a surprising saviour, isn't it? This gentle and lowly man isn't probably going to make a feature in a Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's not the kind of characteristics you would hope for, for a big saviour, a big rescuer, a big God, but here he is, gentle and lowly, two words. Two other words similar that God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34. He said, I am 
compassionate and gracious. First two things out of God's mouth to Moses was, Lord, I am the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. Jesus here is saying he is gentle and lowly. So ask the question, what does it mean to be gentle and what does it mean to be lowly? We think through gentleness. You think through gentleness and uh, it's like a, it's a pleasant word, gentle. You think of um, three-ply toilet paper, maybe. Maybe if you Google gentleness, there's like pictures of like little birds and people's hands just being cradled. Um, gentleness. It's the opposite of harsh. It's meek. It's humble. It's not abrasive. It isn't rash. It's not rough. It's, it's smooth. Gentleness um, brings to mind a parent I saw once dealing with a child in a shopping center having a tantrum. You always know there's two ways to deal with children having a tantrum in the shopping center. We've probably seen both. We've seen the parent who loses their cool just as much as the child, and they have a competition of wills and just goes higher and higher and higher until eventually the parent caves in. But then there's this other parent, like a child whisperer, and they're, um, they're just gifted in the art of de-escalating a, a complete freak out of the shopping center. And the child's escalating, this parent comes in, gentle voice whispers, and somehow this child just realizes that my desire for the Snickers bar and the cherry ripe and the kinder surprise of the aisle shall not be what I will grab today and I shall relinquish these things and trust you, mummy, that you are good. It's gentleness. It's tenderness. It's because Jesus is gentle in heart. He is able to deal with us gently. Who we are requires someone with his skills. Gentleness. Hebrews says he, can, he is the one who can sympathize with us. And so deals gently our very sins, as Thomas Goodwin says, move him to pity more than to anger. He sees us and he deals with us gently. The word gentle also translates humble and meek. Like what Jesus would say, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle. Paul would use this reference, the same word, when writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, I, Paul... Myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So Paul's looking for a response from the church. And instead of pulling on the apostle lever, he pulls on the gentleness and the meekness of Christ. Here's how I'm urging you to walk in obedience. Now, lowly is similar, isn't it? Because it also communicates aspects of humility, of the low place. In fact, sometimes it's actually translated humble. Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly and high. Say, I'm humble in heart. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble or to the lowly. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud and said, instead associate with the humble. Be with the low people, the outcasts. Lowly is the opposite of high and inaccessible. Lowly is happy, happily able to associate with anyone and everyone. You might even say, when Jesus is saying that he's gentle and lowly, he's saying that he's approachable. Jesus doesn't have a green room where you can't get access to him. You don't need to have a VIP card to get access to Jesus. I mean, some of us have friends that are just hard to access sometimes. And just trying to get hold of them and get time with them is like you jump through these hoops. Not Jesus. In fact, when the disciples are trying to keep children at bay, Jesus is saying, let the little children come. 
when the religious leaders are telling Jesus, you can't eat with them, you can't party with them, you can't celebrate, Jesus is saying, pull out the table, we're going to have a feast with the sinners and the tax collectors. I'm lowly, I'm reproachable. Jesus is certainly not out of reach. That's why he's saying come. Jesus is always within our grasp. He makes himself accessible. How do you get in contact with him? You don't have to go through hoops, performing rituals, cleaning yourself up, getting a track record, then feeling good, bringing him your processed thoughts. No, you simply come to him. He's that approachable. He's that simple. Come. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. That's how he's described. So this is how Jesus has described himself in his heart. The question is, who are the, how, who, how are the people described that he's inviting to come to him, to experience his heart? We see that, don't we, in verse um, 28. All who labor and are heavy laden. Quick bit of participation from us here at LCC. Just show of hands if you have in this week someone's asked how are you and you've and you've said or felt the word tired just show of hands just yeah. how many of you are just too tired to even raise your hand right now you're just thinking i just i'm giving you a nod that's about it yeah some of us are so so tired aren't we if i ask you how do you how do you think you're going to go living at this pace for the next 30 years of your life does that bring a smile to your face Or do some of you feel a little bit exhausted at that very thought? (laughs) See, if you're burdened by life this morning, listen, if you're a little bit worn out, if you're a little bit weary, if you feel heavy laden just by life, then you are the person that Jesus is inviting to come. You are the person that he's saying, fantastic. (laughs) See, not having burdens doesn't, Jesus isn't kind of deal with the, the non-burdened people. Burden, having burdens is the prerequisite for coming. You've got burdens? Excellent. I know exactly the person who you should see. Jesus. He welcomes people who have burdens. It's kind of, what are these burdens? I think there's two types in this burdens here. I think one picture ultimately is the burden of sin, right? We did another show of hands and say, hey, how, has, how have you experienced the burden of sin? Has it kind of taken a toll on your life? All our hands would go up. We've both felt the burden of sin as we've sinned against others. We've felt the burden of sin on ourselves and its consequences. We are like um, in Pilgrim's Progress, that kind of burden that's of sin that sits on Christian's shoulders. But do you remember them when that burden comes off <laughs> and it tumbles away? Bunyan writes, then, then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. There is a burden lifting power that Jesus has. Many of us feel tied to, bound by and crushed under the burden of sin. Jesus is saying, hey, come to me and I'm going to help deal with that burden. Now, some of us don't go to Jesus to deal with that burden. And instead, we, we take on another burden of the law. So we try and live by certain rules and regulations in order to deal with this burden of sin. And this is the second burden that the people are feeling. They're feeling that from the religious leaders. And now these religious leaders have been laying on some pretty heavy burdens. They had laws 
and they made sure you obey the laws, but they were so helpful, they gave you laws to make sure you didn't break those laws. So laws upon laws. So we don't want you to do work on the Sabbath. Question, what defines work? Answer, well, if you lift anything up, up to your waist isn't work, but if it's above your waist, then it's work, right? So that, that, that just gets burdensome. Some of you are like, I, my, my strength only gets me from here to here anyway, so I'm not doing any work, I'm in trouble. They, they were tithing out of their spice rack. The salt and pepper, they were, as they put that on, there's, and there's a little 10% over here. They're laying burdens on, and the people are worn out by the rules and regulations heaped upon them by the Pharisees. Do you ever, have you ever experienced the burden of legalism? Have you ever experienced the burden of law, lawishness in our hearts? I need to perform and act this way, therefore I'll be accepted by God and by others. There's a burden that's weighing on them. Turns out, who would have thought legalism is a pretty wearisome way to live life? Myself, I'm a recovering Pharisee. I feel um, the, the pressures and burdens of this all too much. And God is so patient with me. Dane Orland, in his book, says there's two ways to live the Christian life. You can either live it for the heart of Christ or from it. You can either live for the smile of God or from it. You can either live for a new identity, son or daughter, or you can live from it, for your union or from it. What he's trying to get at is, friends, we're not about putting the burdensome of trying to get these appreciation, acceptance of Christ, but rather in Christ you already have it, so live from there. Jesus is saying, I want to come and take off your burdens of sin. I want to come take off the burdens of legalism. Will you come to me and find rest? I want to come bring gentleness into a harsh world. So he's addressing those who labor and are heavy laden, those who've been working hard to keep life together. For those here who've ever thought, I should have done better. Should have done better. Why can't I just keep myself together? I should be on top of this. I should be on top of this. I should be better by now. It's not just a Christian thing, is it? This is a human being thing. We live out our performance identity. We try and feel complete. Jesus says, my heart is for you, wearisome person. Jesus is gentle. He is lonely. He is not so high that he cannot bend down to help. He is not so distant that he doesn't know what's going on. He is accessible. He's where you need him to be. Jesus is gentle and lowly, and he's inviting a heavy laden and burdensome people to come to him. I wonder, do you experience him as gentle and lowly? As you follow Jesus this week and enjoyed him through prayer and found him in scriptures, is, is the gentleness and the lowliness of Christ just been manifest to you? Has it been the dominant thought of your Savior? Have you found yourself maybe hesitant to come to Jesus? Because to be honest, when you hear him say, come to me, part of you says, I think he's talking to someone else. <laughs> I think he's probably busy talking to someone else. Friends, this text is written for people like you, for people like me, that we would come to him. Is he gentle and lowly to everyone, though? That's a good question to ask. Is he gentle and lowly to everyone? Well, here, his, his gentle and lowliness is invited to, he can be experienced to those who would come. Now, we all know Jesus has a, a, a tender side and a tough side, doesn't he? 
So in this, in this passage, Jesus has been calling people to follow him, to come. Come and repent. Believe on me. Believe in the kingdom. Enter the kingdom. To come to Jesus is to enter the kingdom and to believe upon him. People have been seeing his miracles. People have been seeing his power. They've heard his teaching, but guess what? Some people have decided not to repent, not to turn them turn around, not to trust, change their mind, but instead they've gone according to their own ways. So much so that Jesus is pronouncing woes to certain cities in chapter 11. So, so we mustn't mistake Jesus' gentle and lowly heart for passivity. That somehow his gentle and lowly heart means we can, we can preside over him instead of coming under him as Lord. Because he's, he's dropping woes on these cities. He's denouncing them because they've rejected him. He said, come, and they've pushed him away. It's the same Jesus who would woo us to himself. It's the same Jesus who would pronounce woe to those who do not come. Again from Orland. Whatever our offense, he deals gently with us. If we never come to him, listen, if we never come to him, we'll experience a judgment so fierce, it will be like a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth at us. If we do come to him, as fierce as his lion-like judgment would have been against us, so deep will his lamb-like tenderness be for us. We will be enveloped in one or the other. Which would you like to be enveloped in? You've got to come. Will you come to him? Have you come to Jesus? It's a good question. Have you come to Jesus this morning? Maybe you're here exploring what it means to follow Jesus. You're not sure what to make of Christ. You post-Easter, there's some talk about Jesus. Have you come to him? Coming to him is the, re- is the prerequisite to experiencing this gentle and lowly heart. Just come to him. You ask the question, who is it that Jesus will never cast out? All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. You ask, who is he able to deal gently with? Hebrews, all those who draw near to, with confidence towards his throne of grace. Who is he able to save to the uttermost? All those who draw near to God through him. In Isaiah, who is it that gets to, to dine and experience the, the food without cost and to have their thirst and hunger satisfied? All those who come to him. Partake of the feast. Friends, we have to come to him. We have to come. Jesus has so much to offer us. He invites us to come. Christians are like a subcategory of sinners. They're sinners who sin and don't repent. Christians are sinners who repent. We come to Jesus. We come to him. So if you've come to Jesus, are you still coming? Are you still coming? In a world that says, when Jesus says, come to me, the truth is, are we, we can be tempted to hear other voices and go to them. Do you know that other voices are calling you to come? Come, come to me. Self-help has seven steps for mindfulness and med- meditation. Netflix says, come to me and relax. I will grant you. I will grant you rest. Social media says, come. Come and scroll just a little bit longer. Alcohol says, you deserve this. You've had a big day, haven't you? Gee, you've had a big week. Well, put your legs up. Have a sip. Food says this. We medicate ourselves with food. How many of us just, just find ourselves eating our feelings? Trying to find rest. As me post Sunday nights, back when I was living in Brisbane, I just eat my feelings. Just, 
just Mexican and hot chips and gravy and dining at the temple of Ben and Jerry's. It was just a feast of eating my feelings, stress and anxiety of the day. Jesus calls me to come. I said, no, thanks. I'm just going to consult the priest Ben and Jerry's. Our lawish hearts say, if I just pull myself together, listen, if I just pull myself together, get everything lined up, when this is done, when the house is sorted, when the job's done, if I just put a little bit more time in now, then I will find rest. Jesus is saying no. (laughs) Friends, Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Augustine famously said, our souls are restless till they find their rest in you. So what does this rest, what does this coming to him look like? So Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. We are people heavy in burden, heavily burdened. Invitation is to come and find rest. What does this coming look like? How will we do this? Well, I think the answer is there when he says, take my yoke upon you. See this in verse 29. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, what is a yoke? I think we might have a slide of it. Uh, a yoke is a piece of farming equipment that is generally put across animals, in this case, oxen. And it is used to tie, bind one ox to another as they plow the field. So it's essential for farming, and it was heavy. What they do is they would go in pairs, so they would kind of share the load, and that would often have a new ox with an old ox kind of showing it how to go, how to work. I need you to put this on you. You need to be yoked here so you can do the work. Now, you might go, if Jesus has a yoke, I'm not sure I want that thing on my shoulders, right? I'm not sure if that thing is going to crush me. Well, Jesus is kind of using this in an ironic statement, isn't he? How did he describe his yoke? It is light and easy. It is not heavy and burdensome. Jesus is saying, my yoke is a non-yoke. Come learn from me, my burden is a non-burden. Do you want a non-yoke, non-burden? Come to Jesus. Disciples would have been puzzled. So far, they've experienced the yoke of the Pharisees, which, as we mentioned earlier, is laying some heavy yokes on them. They've also experienced some of the yoke of sin, being enslaved and bound to sin, taking a toll, wearing us out, leading us to death. Jesus says, I've got a yoke for you. You're going to be bound to something. Would you come and be bound to me? Let me tell you about my yoke, for instance. It is light and it is easy. So Jesus is asking us to put a yoke on. It's not going to produce wearisome. It's going to produce life. And do you know where we're going to be when we put this yoke on? You know, Jesus, I think this is fundamental to the Christian life. When Jesus asks to put a, a yoke on us, when, when he says, take this yoke from me, Jesus doesn't give us a yoke and then kind of sit back and go, let's see how this pans out. Let's see what happens. Let's save him. Let's give him a yoke, all my commandments, and let's just see what happens. You know, when Jesus comes to give us a yoke, do you know who we're yoked to? We're yoked to Jesus. Friends, we're not alone in this Christian journey. We are carrying the load and Jesus is carrying it right beside us. We are the new person learning how to do this thing called life. Jesus is the one with a few runs on the scoreboard who's done it before. 
And so he says, come be yoked to me. I got this. I can teach you. And so when we're walking with him in Christian life, when we're taking his yoke upon us, friends, he is shouldering it. He is shouldering the weight. He is shouldering the burden. And we're there with him. And so we're hearing his voice. We're learning his ways. We walk as he walks. We start talking as he talks. We start following Christ. He's right there with us. It is so different, isn't it, to the kind of yokes that we carry each and every day. Yokes that say, hey, put this on, live up to this, be this parent, be this worker, be this spout. This is what I need you to be. Spouse, not spout, sorry. If we were a teapot, we could be that. Short and spout. This is the economy we live in. If you do this, get paid. If you don't do this, you get punished. Jesus is saying, no, no, come on, take my yoke upon you. All is heavenly power and authority. Everything, king of kings, lord of lords, creator of the world, listen, I don't have a job. Let's take this yoke and let's just walk out this life together. You want to come tread the path of life with me? Friends, this is a yoke that will save your life. It is not a burden to follow the ways of Jesus, to adopt his patterns, adopt his practices. It is like, if this is burdensome for you, then you're the kind of person who would say, when the plane's going down, it's a burden to put on the parachute. Friends, it saves our life because it deals with our greatest burden of sin. And once it's dealt with the greatest burden of sin by Christ taking that on the cross on our behalf, it deals with our tendency to put on law and those burdens. And Jesus says, no, no, put on my burdens. Come walk my, with me. So we don't want to confuse his ways as burdensome. And we can confuse them, right? If you've been following Jesus for any period of time, I guarantee you've experienced following Jesus and it felt burdensome. It felt like a drag. It felt like you're probably missing out and you probably felt like I've just got to do this and grind this out. Probably because we're still learning how to receive his burden, aren't we? We're still learning how to receive his yoke. It takes time for us to adjust. We're so used to other yokes put on us that when Christ lays his yoke on us, we're still kind of tensed up in the shoulders, aren't we? Still kind of bound up, still kind of learning, what's this thing going to do to me? How am I going to protect myself? And Jesus is saying, would you relax into my grace? Would you walk out my ways? And it just takes time to settle in. This should be such good news for us. Because when he says, come to me, he doesn't just say, come to me. He also says what? Learn from me. Friends, we're talking about being gentle. We're talking about getting to the heart of Christ. It is not just an invitation to come. It is an invitation to learn. And do you know learning takes time? Learning takes time. Toilet training our children, that takes time. I've got a 50 kilo Rhodesian Ridgeback, and he's not the only living being that poos on the grass currently. We, it takes time to learn. But so much of us in the Christian life, we're, we're, we're fumbling our way forward, aren't we? Aren't the people around you fumbling as well? Aren't the people in this church also learning what it means to follow Jesus? Husbands, aren't your wives still learning what it looks like to follow Jesus? Wives, aren't your husbands still learning what it looks like to follow Jesus? See, all of us are learning. Learning means it's going to take time. And if Jesus is giving time for the people that come to him, is there a chance that we might as well? And is there a chance that you might give your own soul Time. Time to learn. Time for Christ to say, hey, this is how we do that. Hey, we don't do that. Hey, this is life. Hey, let me take that burden off you. We've got to learn. 
His ways aren't burdensome. They're light. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. John Mark Homer, pastor of Bridgetown. You've got to breathe it in. Soak it up. Learn from him. Friends, the Christian life, you're just learning. We're all learning. Jesus is off-put by you and your, yours and my slow progress. <laughs> Let's come and learn from me. Try this on. See how this fits. It's funny, when we were preaching this series, we were about four weeks into it, and um, I found in my heart this frustration that um, like people weren't just getting that Jesus is gentle and lowly already. I was just like frustrated. <laughs> like, why don't you just get that he's gentle? And um, it was an ironic moment because I didn't realize that he was gentle and lowly. So each week as we're preaching through this, we would, we would just acknowledge this truth like, hey, I know we've said it, that Jesus is gentle and lowly. And I know you all know that, but here's another sermon how to, re- to remind us all that we don't really know it. So let us think about it again. And next week we come back up. Listen, I know you think that he's gentle and lowly, but it gets better. You and I got no clue how gentle and lowly is. Let's go back in there. And we just go back in there again, again and again. He's way more gentle. He's way more lowly than I realize. He will never cast us out. He saves to the uppermost. He can sympathize with us. So learning takes time. Learning takes time. So I ask you, are you, are you, are you in your path of following Jesus? in your burdensome, wearisome life, as you come to him, are you learning from him? You learn from him, from his word and from his people and prayer. I was thinking through how this sometimes plays out in my own life. If, if Jesus has like a house and he wants to invite us in to learn from him, have a meal with him, commune with him, I think sometimes my coming to Jesus wasn't me entering the house, having communion with him, receiving his word, praying to him. It was more like a drive-by. I'd like drive by the house of communion. I didn't go in and settle down. So I would like kind of do the Bible thing in the background whilst we cleaned or in the car. or But, but I wasn't sitting in the house. I wasn't kind of praying, coming to him. Friends, I think coming to Jesus actually looks like coming to Jesus and sitting in his feet and prayer and word. Not doing drive-by devotions, but settling, letting Christ settle down deeper in our hearts. Living a life of devotion. Enjoying him. Friend, I don't know what your life is like, but I've learned drive-by, drive-by kind of devotion with Jesus does not prepare me well for life that is kicking me down, wearing against me, my job, my kids, my own sin. Drive-by devotion doesn't get me there. Jesus is saying, hey, come to me. I get it, you're weary. I get it, because that's why I'm inviting you. Come experience life. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Take off the yoke of your sin. Come to me. Because Jesus is gentle in heart, he can bear your rough edges because Jesus is gentle in heart. He's accessible every moment of the day, every moment of the day. So we must come to him. We must come to him. He will never get taxed by you and me. Jesus isn't worn out when we come to him. You know, some of you don't want to burden friends with your problems. Just one or two of us potentially. Jesus is never burdened down by you. 
Jesus doesn't run out of steam with you. Jesus is never confused with your issues or problems. Jesus always knows exactly what to do. Jesus is not so high that he will not deal with you gently. And his heart, the very thing, the very core of him, he has an abundance of the very thing you and I need most, gentleness, humility. His heart will never get out of line. His ne- he never needs to keep his heart in check when dealing with you. It's always perfectly in line. His heart is our place of rest, so come to him. Come to him. Two ways we can get this wrong. Do you know what the phrase come to me doesn't mean? Doesn't mean go away. It's crazy. Some translations might get that wrong, but um, it doesn't mean go away. So come to him. He's patient to handle our misunderstandings of him. The kind of ideas that we can project onto God are so unfounded. They're so misguided. They're so full of lies. Jesus isn't off put by yours and my misprojections of who he is. He says, I'm so glad you're here. Let me tell you about my gentle and lowly heart a little bit more. Will we get that kind of stuff wrong? Totally. Well, we have books like Lamentations to lament our heart, to lament our accusations to God when we, misget, when we get them wrong. He'll teach us along the way. He's just so glad that we come. He's just so glad that we come to him. Do you go to Jesus? He says, come to him. I think the second way we get it wrong is in our coming. I mentioned it before. We do the drive-by. We don't really come. We kind of inform Jesus, but we don't spend time being formed by Jesus. What would it look like, church, if we did this, if we get a heart of Christ, if we get the heart of Christ, if we like captured this thing, if we spent time, I think you're just going to have a people who, one, are going to be a little bit more well-rested, and two, are going to be formed by a gentle and lowly heart, so they're going to be a gentle and lowly people. Spend time with Christ, and it's going to rub off on you. It's going to form you. I don't know about you, but I can't be gentle when I'm like stressed out, weary, and tired. A sinful proclivities is to be harsh, not gentle. But I'm rested in Christ. I can be gentle. For a world that needs it. Our world needs us now, right? Our world needs us more than ever. A gentle and lowly people who experience and invite people to a gentle and lowly Christ. Not to some religious system, but to the very heart of Christ. I wonder if you're in evangelism this week. As you seek to live faithful life to Jesus, as you seek to follow Jesus and be formed by him, as you seek and pray for opportunities, I wonder if part of your desire to share is that people in your workplace or friends and family would, out of all the things they could know about Jesus, that they would know that his heart is gentle and lowly, that he's approachable, that he's tender if we would come to him, as we come to him. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and ruined by the fall. If you wait until you're better, you will never come at all. Friends, you need to come to him. We don't need to put ourselves off. We don't need to process things and bring my process thoughts. We don't need to get our life together and present it well. Simply come. Simply come to him. We're invited to a life of rest. And we're invited then to share this Jesus gentle and lowly to the world. 
We finish on Dane Oland again. It says, only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will we leave in our wake everywhere we go the aroma of heaven and die one day having startled the world with glimpses of divine kindness too great to be boxed in by what we deserve. One day LCC, do you want to startle the world with glimpses of divine kindness? Do you want to surprise people by the gentle heart of Christ? Do you want to be part of revealing love to a world too great to be boxed in by what we deserve? We do that by coming to him, by experiencing him, by heeding his words, for he is gentle and lowly in heart. My prayer is that as a church, you will come, you will continue to come, and that you'll experience the rest for your souls that he offers. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.